0: All right, well, welcome. How's, how is everyone? My name is Abraham Hugh. I will be your host for today and hopefully for a long time. And I'm here to create a sort of, I guess a broadcast. And I'm going to tell you how I'm going to lay this out. So the first 10 minutes, I'm going to be discussing a concept called Musar which is basically a sort of a way of a, a teachings that rabbis have wrote in order for yourself to look at, try to introspect what the, those things are. And then hopefully at the end, get get a little humbled and realize that you're doing things in life for a greater purpose. And then for the next 20 minutes, I'm going to be discussing things in the Talmud. And I'm going to be beginning with a suya called Elu which is basically when you find lost objects. Now, what muster am I going to be teaching you today? Well, for me, I've been learning this book, which I recommend to a lot of people that have it in English and in Hebrew, and it's called Sefer Orcha Siddiquim, which is the ways of the righteous people. Now, with good logic and just telling you right here. It's good to look at great people in general, like Steve Jobs or or Bill Gates, or like people that have done it already, people that have already succeeded. And you wanna learn how do they do it themselves? Because it it wasn't just them being born with a million or a freaking 28% equity of a crazy company. No, it was them learning how to understand their own person and learning how to grow that person and update and develop and upgrade to a higher being. So when it came to like, for example, these, these sort of, you know, Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, you know, Jeff Bezos, I'm just thinking about entrepreneurs for some reason, cause that's what society values nowadays. But these people upgraded themselves essentially that they were able to learn a business, they were able to innovate in that business and gradually learn more things about themselves, how they can improve that business. They ended up having their heart being connected to that thing. Now in Safer Sorko Sadikim is that we're gonna learn how to dissect your genome. You know what I'm saying? We're gonna learn how to really look at yourself with a magnifying glass and say, these are my problems. I have certain um, flaws in my life. I'm going to learn how to improve on those and how am I going to do it? I'm going to look at the most righteous people that have ever done it, that have looked at themselves. Have looked at themselves. Sorry. That was, a, I I guess one of those strokes that I have, you're going to learn how to look at yourself. You're going to, you're going to learn how to feel yourself in a more intellectual level. And you're going to learn how to pinpoint what is the reason why I do the things I do in everyday life. Now, Let's just get started, because I want to go through the book. So we see over here is that Sofa Davar. "The end of the matter is that Ha Nishma, Kizek Adam. So this, this is a quote, and I'm going to be breaking it down. And I kind of want to say right now, I'm not, not the perfect person. I'm, I came from a modern Orthodox Jewish family. Whatever, you know, I'm doing this just honestly for myself and really for the sake of like helping other people also. And also I I do love learning. I've been learning like most of my life. And these are one of the ways how I just wanna give back. But let's just go back to this whole introduction. So we have the introduction like most books and the introduction goes as this, is that we quote asserting a, sw- a certain parable that Solomon the king said. And before before he died and before he went up to the heavens, he said these words. All have been heard. And he's really speaking to all of his disciples and the people that knew know him. Fear God and keep his mitzvahs for this is the whole of man. Now man means mankind. Ha'adam. It doesn't necessarily mean man... Um, specifically so we we see something very interesting that the last words he went and said is that you should fear God and keep His mitzvos. not you should go and help an elderly person walk the street not go and um, you know put the uh, couple numbers in the lottery said the real reason why mankind was created was for man to fear God and we're gonna go into what that means hopefully before the 10-minute mark and second to keep his mitzvahs and what mitzvos are are Commandments that were dictated from God now why is this the whole of man so the whole idea and it's very interesting how this is the first line of Orchos Sadikim because Orchas Sadikim is really taking all the great things and all the great lessons that the right righteous people have lived and putting in this book and beginning with Shlomo HaMelech is very interesting because he was the most honorable and the most righteous of them all and why Why was Shlomo Amalek the most righteous of them all? Well, I'll tell you. And that was kind of weird. But Shlomo Amalek was a man that literally knew both the land and the heavens. He was able to freaking talk to birds. He was able to make peace with all the nations surrounding Israel when he was king. He knew the in the in and outs of what this world was created. And to get the most big advice, when you see Warren Buffett on his deathbed and you're going to say, what was his last words? Obviously, he's going to say something that really encompasses his whole life because he's been through it all. Shlomo Melech did everything that you're able to do in this world. And what he said was that you need to realize is that you know, yes, we go through struggles. And yes, we can honestly, you know, logically say that God doesn't exist. But to say that can be irrational because being a person on a spinning rock and having this sort of simulation of your of you, the needs of you, how to live, and how you're gonna do it, and please trust me. Like I'm just 21, just like going into the in depths, can't really explain the universe. But just from Shlomo Malchi's standpoint, if this man said to fear God, honestly, it's probably a good idea. And how he said to keep his mitzvos is keep. First of all, you wanna you wanna fear God, and second. Once you fear God, you're able to realize how his mitzvahs are created. Now, this is the whole of man. Now, I kind of, I kind of go into, and let's see, we're, we're on like eight minutes, nine minutes-ish. But honestly, the first, the, first, um, the first purpose of this session, or the first Musar lesson, is that credibility. Orko Siddiquim uses the first quote, which is Shlomo Amalekh, and he's, he says a very heavy statement that not a lot of people are able to digest. You can't just tell me that, you know, just dress as a rabbi and then go ahead to yeshiva and that's how you're going to live the rest of your life. No. How am I even going to say that? That, It's honestly, when I can look at this quote, there's a different version of myself that would say, dude, this is, okay, this is just some holy rabbi just saying some holy stuff that doesn't really have any relationship to me or doesn't have any sort of similarities to how I live. But just looking at who said it and the credibility, I'm gonna try to smoothly transition into this. And open up a very sacred text. Let's hear this. So, a lot of people say that this sort of um, this sort of book, a lot of law students look at because um, it's kind of like the old law school. It's called the uh, the Babas. You have Baba Kama, which is the first one. Baba Mitsia, which is the middle. Which one we're gonna be learning today? And Baba Basra. It's like the three huge, very thick text books kind of, but way way more crazy and a bunch of interesting stuff that hopefully we can go over for today. but I'm a very in-depth man, you know. I like to go through these words and try to give them the grain of salt because we can honestly grab a meal after this. And realize, wow, this is um, some interesting stuff. So let's, let's just begin. Um, so, you know, there, there's a. So, Aelos Matthias is, and I'm gonna go with the introduction over here of when you find a lost object. Now, we all know this whole sort of, um, we all know this whole sort of, you know, moral compass where when you find something on the floor, and it has a sign on it, what do you do? Obviously, if there's an ID tag, if there's some sort of sign that could convey that this belongs to someone else, you're going to go ahead and return that item, right? I mean, it's the most moral cause. Yeah, you know, when you find something on the floor, and it's $20,000, you know, it's kind of hard to return it. But if it has a sign, obviously, you're going to go and you know you're going to go and return it but how about you find something on the ground it doesn't really look like it belongs to anyone what if you find a certain let's say I'd say you find a certain you know shoe on the ground and it happens to be a very expensive shoe on the market you know does it look like it's someone's it has a very generic look because it has been manufactured a billion times and you can't really realize if, if if it doesn't have a sort of unique sign, then how do I know it's going to be someone else's? And we're going to be learning over here in Alos Matias is what objects are you necessarily allowed to take? And we're just going to go ahead and get into it, huh? So we see Elos Metzius Shalom. So these finds are his. Now, what are these findings? So it's interesting how it says Metzius. Like the, so these finds are his, meaning that whenever you're gonna find something on the ground, you're going to be able to, to collect it. But it's, we go ahead and then we see the Chayi Blehachris. And one is and one is obligated to announce. Now, here, let me come and talk to you for a second, alright? If I went ahead and told you you're not allowed to take any of these things, what would you expect me to hear back? What would you expect to hear after that? You expect me to hear a statement, you're not allowed to touch any of these things. You're gonna say, like what? I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you like what. My goggles, my keychain, my, my Steigelbeiser, you know, like anything. But the Gemara comes along and says, And he is obligated to announce. And these, he is obligated to announce. Now, the Mishnah, which is honestly the introduction to the Gemara, and you're going to have two parts. And I'm going to go through this session Honestly, a very big chunk and a very big idealistic thing that we learned learned in this holy Jewish religion is that once upon a time when Moses went up to Sinai and he received the Torah, we had two types of Torahs, right? We had the one that was written that is currently known as the Bible, which has all the stories, has all the, the crazy stuff that's in it. And then you have one that not a lot of people talk about. And honestly, that's kind of my drive to make this sort of memo session, podcast, whatever you call it. And kind of expound that the Bible is the body. It's what really I we we people can identify as like, oh, this, these, these are the biblical stories that made this nation. But well, what were the whenever there's a goof whenever there's a body and you know you look at signs there is structure it's not just hollow because then then it would just be the form of a rock a rock doesn't think a rock doesn't move rock doesn't do anything how could a bible bring us to such huge grades that we're able to survive for so long and still be called jews I'll tell you why, because I mean, not written, the Torah Shabbat, Torah, 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 Torah. that's the Bible. That's the written Torah. Now, what's not known is called the Torah that's read by heart. And the Torah that's read by heart is honestly the molecular structure of what the Bible is. What were really the sciences or the, the complexities to the Bible? What, how are we able to supposed to, how do we understand the world? Uh, how are we as humans supposed to do? What's our purpose in life? And we see this with the Torah Shabal Pes. That this was one big piece that that I guess God was had to teach Moses to teach us, and it became a generational thing. Of this is how you are. This is why you're a Jew. You know, the Bible is really to say, okay, this is who you are. You know, these are the these are the quotes. Or these are the, the, the the you know you're a Jew, Bible, you know you learned about Avram Abraham Yitzchak, you know Asav, you know all these types of characters, but then you say why, why are you a Jew, and you come and look at the Torah Shabbat. Path. I'll teach you why these are the in-depth scr- structures. This is the genius of of how the world was created, and honestly for me, I want to go back to my to my resume. I really have a big resume. I'm not I'm not the most holiest Yid. But I do have one thing, which is I do like to learn. And I do love to share also, I want to share with you the in depths of the Torah Shabbat and hopefully together, we're able to have more of an understanding on the geniusness of of the Torah in general. Now, how we're going to look at this is why did the Mishnah use one statement and not give a full statement? Why didn't it just give me a full sentence? Why is it a fragmented sentence when you say, these objects are his, okay? What objects? And these are, are obligated to announce. Just tell me one sentence before you go into another. Now the reason why this is. Is because the Mishnah is trying to give huge topics over here. Whenever it gives a couple of words, it's supposed to encompass paragraphs of knowledge. Because there, once upon a time, these people used to memorize this in their heads, and whenever they read a verse in the Chumash, they go, oh, okay, this means a whole bunch of a whole bunch of stuff. But we go ahead and see. If the So whenever we see these words, they're, they're split into huge subjects. The Mishnah is like the subject cutter. It's going to be giving you, okay, this topic is talking about biology. And now we're going to be talking about chemistry right now. And it looks like some sort of like, it's trying to go at a fast pace. And it really, and it honestly, it's supposed, it's supposed to cut up these things. So it's able just to not talk about it so much in words but to just have it in your mind but this this was not- honestly i'm going to talk about this or explain it more when we go more along but you know like for me this is my first session and trying to put all these things together and trying to do it by heart is, is kind of a struggle but there is just so much to talk about but i'm trying to show you the beauty over here is that we're going to be talking about two huge subjects, essentially. One is going to be talking about which objects are you going to find that you're allowed to take, you know? And then the second subject is going to be which objects are you not allowed to take? You know, when you think about the whole idea of, you know, finders, keepers, losers, weepers, how do we know that? How do we know the the person said that? How do we know that? A person is going to drop $100 on the ground and we're going to s- somehow predict that, oh, this person kind of just said, finders, keepers, losers, whoever has it on the ground can take it. Because essentially when something is thrown on the ground, in a way, and the Gemara is going to talk about this, it speaks a certain psychology. Not, not everything has a purpose, everything has reasoning. And when you see something on the ground, we're going to really understand why is it that person made it you know as you as you would say the whole concept of hefker which is um it's free to take now it goes on with these words of elus messiah shalom now how do we know these are two huge topics is because it goes back to the first statement which is elus messiah shalom and it says matzah perus mifuzarin. now The first item that we're going to see is that you find peiros, which are known as fruit, mefuzarine, that are scattered. Now, this is our first big example. We see a bunch of apples on the ground that are spread apart. All right, great. What does that really mean? I don't know, but it's just like any sort of barnyard guy on a freaking truck and he's driving out and then whatever, he got his harvest and some of it fell out. Now, why does that show that you're allowed to take those peros? So we need, we need a little bit more understanding over here. We're gonna go to our friend called Rashi. He's gonna give us a little bit of psychology of why are you allowed to take fruit that are spread out? So we see over here, Eos Messiah Shalom, Matzah Peros fuzarin. Nisiashu habailim mayhem is that the owner gave up on them. Now, the reason why Paris Mufuz Irene would be a lot to take because there is some sort of sign that isn't a sign, right? Is that the, the person that throws this on the ground that throws this fruit says, "Yo, these things I gave up on. Something called Yush, which is I, I have no more hope. It's called resignation. I resignate my rights to this. Right? When I'm not, I don't have any sort of relationship with it anymore. Me and this inanimate object broke up. So we see over here. It's not that." the parrishas seem to be laying on the ground but the reason why they're on the ground is because the owner doesn't really care about them anymore the owner resignates his rights to go ahead because if he did not resignate his rights he would have already gone back to take them and we're going to see how do we even know that maybe he was go- maybe he's going to take it maybe maybe he does maybe loves apples maybe he freaking, you know, is the apple man. He makes, uh, my name's apple smash why, why is he going ahead and saying that, okay, these apples, why is the Misha saying that? Why, why is the Misha saying that when you see scattered Paris on the ground, that he necessarily gave up on it? And we're gonna see what this, what, what, what does this really dictate? Is that it's not, it's this sort of relationship because we have two big words. We have Peros and Mifuzarin. We have the object that's on the ground, but how is the object placed? Mifuzarin really shows you that sk- when it's scattered, it shows a resemblance to the owner having some sort of resignation towards that item. So when I see these apples scattered on the ground, it's not that, oh, hey, look, it's just some random apples that happen to be on the ground. No, it's really because these apples resemble the the oh, the previous owner saying that I don't really care about these apples anymore. Anyone can go and take them. And then the Rashi continues, amar big hefker hein. and we realize that this huge concept that we understand is that these things are called Hefker, which is losers keepers, finders my weepers, or the other way around. and. We see, we see this sort of symbiotic relationship of, we have peros, we have the item, which are apples, and then you have mefuzarine, how are they placed? And it's not about just solely something just randomly being on the ground and you universally just being there at the same moment. You need to understand and take a step back and see did these apples, or how are, how are they really associated about the owner saying, I don't really care about them anymore. Now, you know, I, 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 I really respect Rashi for coming along and really explaining this whole concept, because we're going to see what, what does Mifuzarin actually mean? What does scatter mean? How what does scatter is a plural word. And just another thing that I, that I saw in Rashi is that it's is that it uses a sort of um, it uses a sort of teich, which is kind of like a la- it's it uses the language of pluralism. Like there are there are owners. Why not just say owner? And we we kind of come to understand is that an object and the person that holds it, you're gonna see this continuous relationship of. Of of an object and an owner, which uh, you know you're, you're thinking like, what the ha- what the heck is this kid saying? But here, let me let me have some time to explain because we only got like three more minutes over here. Is that since there is a continuous relationship between an owner and an object, and the way we understand that is from resignation from the whole concept of Yush. When a person is holding a pen we automatically subconsciously think that that is his pen. Now, when we see him take a pen and just throw that thing on the ground, we're going to realize, oh, hey, that that looks like that that person broke up with that pen. And now that pen's just on the ground, showing that this person, that, you can, that anyone can go along and take it. And it becomes a continuous cycle, meaning that you can have scattered fruit on the ground Another person takes that scatter fruit. Now it's his, now he's the new owner. Now it could, it's always continuous. Meaning that there could have been 10 people that gone through the same scenario, but the only way we can understand it is that, how do we know that these objects are not broken up? Is because they're Paris Mephuzarim, because they're just scattered fruit. And it looks like there's no more owner anymore. Everything has, has a sort of possession. And if you don't see that possession, we have to understand how to see that. And we realize that Rashi explains that it's Nisiyashu, that's called resignation. And honestly, I'm gonna stop it over here and just to give a whole, really a gist of what my goal is here. My goal is here is even though I am a little bit slow and how I like to explain these things, but I'm really trying to give a step back because honestly this whole creation of the Talmud is is so holy and I've been learning in my whole life and I wanna find people that can honestly develop a new relationship with, with this sort, with these sort of writings because they're so intertwined with our lives today and how we think of things and how we look at things, it's very important to look back at our ancestors and see how, how did they look at things? How, how did their morals look like? And we need to really look at it with a grain of salt. Just like the mission is gonna come and say two huge statements and it means like paragraphs on paragraphs of ideas. We need to give that respect and understand how did they get to this? why do they get to this? And honestly, this is, this is what's going to help me be a good person. And hopefully the people that listen to this appreciate this and they can, you know, improve on their lives also. So I hope you have a good day. It's been your boy Avram. And um, yeah, I've been holding my help, myself back with some languages, but yo, know, please let me know. Let me know what you think. And Thank you for tolerating my voice for over 30 minutes and whatever seconds. Peace out.